Welcome to the House Podcast. We want to encourage you wherever you're at today. Reach out or email us at any time, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Um, my name is Oliver. I'm one of the pastors here at the house, and uh, thanks for being here on on our last kind of one, you know, 10 a.m. service of the season. Um, we are kicking off a new series this morning called uh, The Great Invitation. It's funny, there are all sorts of ideas that we attach the word great to. Uh, even in, in kind of the Christian world, we have the Great Commission from Matthew 28 to go out and make disciples. We have the Great Commandment from Mark 12 to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, more recently, kind of in culture, we have this idea of the Great Resignation. Some of you will have heard of this. Right in the midst of the pandemic, just a huge influx of people resigning from their long-time-held jobs to go off the grid or to, you know, go traveling or whatever it is. Um, but right at the center of our faith is a great invitation, an invitation to follow Jesus. And in the coming weeks, we want to explore what that looks like for us here in Kelowna as a community to follow Jesus. What does that mean? Some of you may be hearing this series idea thinking, I kind of already know what that means. Or maybe you're feeling like, I've made that commitment before. The commitment to become a Christian, to follow. Growing up, I had many, many moments where uh, someone made an invitation to become a Christian. I grew up going to church. And so whether it was uh, youth group on Tuesday or church on Sunday or Bible camp or a youth conference, there's all sorts of invitations to become a Christian. And they all had sort of a similar framework. Usually began with someone telling me, I'm a sinner who is deserving of death, but that Jesus died for my sins, and that if I believe in him, then I could be forgiven and saved and go to heaven after I die. And some of the more passionate and fiery preachers would throw in some sort of gruesome detail about how if I got hit by a bus today, would I know where I'm going? which is like just what every youth group kid needs to hear as they're like trying to figure out, you know, what like jeans to put on in the morning. Um, I imagine you've heard something similar. And I can't remember the first time I ever prayed the prayer or believed in Jesus, but I knew growing up that I did. I just knew that at some point it happened. And uh, I, I, I knew I was kind of in. I had the golden ticket, the ticket of salvation. As long as I kept believing, I could be certain of my eternal destiny. And there's some good truth in all of that. I don't necessarily disbelieve those ideas. Most of those ideas we find in Scripture. But the longer I spend time in Scripture, in particular in the Gospels, the more I realize that my understanding of what it meant to be a Christian wasn't really what Jesus presented. Because that's not where Jesus starts. Jesus doesn't say to his disciples, you're a sinner worthy of death, but if you believe in me because I'm going to die, you will you know, have eternal life. And so believe in me. He, that's not really where he starts, nor is it where he ends. In fact, you won't really find those words or that framework spoken by Jesus anywhere in the Gospels. Rather, Jesus begins with a simple invitation. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. And I've come to realize that this invitation 
is much different than the one that I received to become a Christian, to believe in Jesus growing up. This invitation to come follow me is different. It means something different for my life. We're going to explore what that means throughout the fall, and I hope you'll join us for that. But there's a text from John chapter 6 I want to look at this morning that sheds some light on this idea of what it means to follow Jesus. There's an interaction between Jesus and his disciples that I think is just so key for us as we kick off the fall season. In John chapter 6, Jesus has been, uh, he, he's just fed the 5,000. He's just fed them. If you remember, there's like the loaves and the fish, and they multiply. He's fed the crowds. And now he's teaching. And he uses bread as a metaphor for his teaching. He kind of connects the dots for them. He says to the people, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And the people sort of look at him like he's crazy. Because, like, what is he talking about? He's bread. Like, we, this is Jesus of Nazareth. They, they knew where Jesus grew up. He, he grew up just around the corner. We know Jesus. What's he talking about being bread of life? They start grumbling. And instead of kind of rephrasing or trying a different angle or, or making this teaching more palatable for the people, he says it again. I am the bread of life. But this time he goes a step further. He says, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. You're like, whoa, this just got so weird. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. This is like how not to build a church, 101. Uh, maybe you're thinking the same thing this morning. You're like, wow, kick off Sunday. That's the best we got. Eat, eat his flesh, drink his blood. We'll see you later. Um, it's borderline cultish. Like if anyone else said it, we would run the other direction. And in fact, John's gospel tells us that that's exactly what happened. It says this, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. It got too weird. It got too hard. Jesus pushed them over the edge one step too far. But I want you to notice this wasn't just a random group of bystanders who were just kind of observing what was going on. These were his disciples. These were people who were following him at the time, who at one point had committed their lives to follow Jesus. And now they were reevaluating their decision. And as people are standing up and walking the other direction as Jesus is teaching, Jesus turns to his 12 disciples. And I imagine that up to this point, the disciples have been proud. They've been stoked to be with Jesus. They're like standing behind Jesus nodding. Like when Jesus turned water into wine, they were like, this is our guy. He's the life of the party. They, they loved it. When Jesus, when Jesus you know, fed the 5,000, they were nodding. They're like, he's our guy. We're with Jesus. And then Jesus starts talking about bread, and everyone's like, okay, that's a little weird, but we can work with that. And then he drops the bomb on them. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, there's no life in you. And I imagine at that point, the disciples stop nodding, and they start sharing some very awkward side eyes with one another. Like the rest of the disciples, I imagine they're reevaluating who it is they're following. They're reevaluating their decision. And it's as though Jesus knows that they're kind of teetering, like they're right on the edge of, of belief and disbelief because he looks right at them and he asks them this very pointed but simple question. 
He says, are you also going to leave? Are you also going to leave? Isn't it interesting? Jesus doesn't tell his disciples what they should or shouldn't do, nor does he tell them what will happen if they do leave. He doesn't try to coerce them or kind of twist their arm. Just like he initially extends a simple invitation to follow him, here he extends a simple question. Are you also going to leave? But by asking this question, Jesus is revealing something about the nature of faith, something about what it means to follow him. Because Christianity as a religion is often presented as kind of a static thing. You're in or you're out. It's kind of like a Costco membership. You, you sign up, you get your card, it's got your name on it, you sort of put it in your back pocket, and when you need to access the benefits and special access to you know, deals and all that, you pull it out. And, and someone says, yep, you got your card. Sometimes we think believing in Jesus or becoming a Christian is like that. You sort of say the prayer, you sign up, you get special access and benefits. In this case, eternal life. <laughs> but in this question, Jesus reveals something different about the nature of faith and what it means to follow. That following Jesus isn't a static thing. It's not something you sign up for once at a conference or a Bible camp and then sort of tuck away in your back pocket for when you need it. Following Jesus is something we choose to do. And not just once, but again and again and again. You choose to do it. And here in this story, Jesus confronts his disciples with this reality. Are you still going to follow me? Or are you gonna leave as well? Are you still in it? Are you still with me? Or are now you also going to leave? You know, the last few years have been hard on all of us, I know, in many different ways. The life has been disrupted in so many ways, including here at church. Um, we had the, the massive shift to digital and online church in 2020. But it's been a while since 2020. <laughs> and uh, by and large, things have reopened and people have returned. And while many people have re-engaged in church and in their faith communities, um, there's a huge number of people who, for the most part, have not come back. And not just in, to in-person gatherings or services, though that is a reality. Uh, people like us, pastors, think like, well, maybe they're watching online. The reality is, the data shows they're not. Um, most people, if they haven't returned at this point, are gone. They're not coming back. They're not watching another church online either. They've sort of left that phase of life or that decision behind. It's been one of the hardest things for us. People that we had relationship with for years are gone. People that served with us or were connected in community um, just haven't come back. We haven't seen them for years now. And I know the argument in my head, because I'm a millennial, that you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Um, or that going to church doesn't necessarily prove that your faith is growing. That you can follow Jesus without attending church every Sunday. And that is true. But the reality for most people is that when they become disconnected from a faith community, they also become disconnected from faith altogether. For most people, they don't make a conscious decision to leave their faith behind. It's more like a slow drift away where you slowly, over time, stop believing. 
Somewhere along the way, in the midst of a very hard couple of years, many people left both their faith community and their faith altogether behind. And it used to be that coming to church and being part, being kind of connected in a Christian community of some sort, of some capacity, was kind of the norm. It was sort of the default. It was the standard. If you believed in Jesus, if you were a Christian, identified that way, you would kind of expect that that person sort of went to church or um, was part of some sort of Christian community in some capacity. But it's different today. The pandemic really accelerated a trend that was ongoing, which is that most people who identify as Christian don't necessarily uh, engage in a faith community. That it, it's not the default or the norm anymore. Now you have to choose it. It's more like the exception. And I think it's the same way with following Jesus. It's not static. It doesn't just happen. You actually have to choose it. And then you have to choose it again when things get hard. And then you have to choose it again when you go through a crisis. Then you have to choose it again when you get hurt, when you're deep in pain. Then you have to choose it again when you don't necessarily feel like it. You don't just make the decision once. And as Jesus confronts his 12 disciples with this reality, this question of whether they're in it or not anymore, Peter replies this way, and I love his response. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Now you can read this one of two ways. You can read this as Peter acknowledging to Jesus that he doesn't have any better options. Like, Lord, you're the best we got right now, so I'm not going anywhere. Or you can read it how I think the author wants us to read it. This way, Lord, where else would we go to find life in every sense of the word but here with you, the living God? Where would we go to find deep fulfillment in our souls but here with you, the living God? As hard as it is at times, and following Jesus is hard at times, where else would we go to find life but here with him? As Matt mentioned, this week we were up at the university on, on Monday and Thursday, and on Thursday night we were there um, playing, we had our worship team up there playing worship right in the middle of campus. We were right on kind of this laneway that just cuts right through campus. Um, we were partnering with UCM, University of Christian Ministries, for their fall kickoff barbecue, and every year they invite us to uh, bring a worship team in and play some songs. And so we were right in the middle, and we had our booth set up, and we had... Um, <laughs> We actually, we had some free Gatorades at our booth that we were just kind of giving out to the odd person. And this guy came over and um, uh, he saw the Gatorades. And so he's like, hey, are these Gatorades free? And I was like, yeah, you, you can grab one for sure. And then I, I got one of our corn roast flyers um, and I said, hey, you should also come to our corn roast on Sunday night. And he was kind of like looking at it and it's like corn roast, it's so weird. Like, like what is a corn roast? And so he's like looking at it and then he's like, so what are you guys? And I'm like, well, we're a church community. And uh, we meet uh, every Sunday night at 6 p.m. Uh, in a warehouse just a few minutes away from here. And he said, oh, okay, well, I'm agnostic. I, uh, I don't really, I'm not really religious because my scientific mind won't really let me believe in the Bible. Um, but I, I grew up going to church. And he said, okay, cool, man, that, that's great. Well, Sunday night, the, you know, the Corn Rust is more of like a community building event. There's live music, it's free food. You should just come out and join us. And, 
Uh, he said, okay, cool, but during our time of talking, um, the barbecue, the lineup for the free barbecue had like quadrupled in size. Like when you, you know, when the smell of barbecue is on campus, like students just like appear. They just like pop out of nowhere. Um, and so the, the lineup had like quadrupled. And so he's looking at this lineup now and I know he's regretting his decision to come get the Gatorade. And he's like looking, he's like, ah, yeah, I don't think I'm gonna stand in line for a, free, for a free burger. He's like, you know, Kelowna Brewing Company actually has a free burger and a free beer for UBCO students tonight. So I'm gonna go do that instead. I said, yeah, yeah, cool, man, whatever, like, it's all good, it's a long lineup, totally get it. Well, about, like, three minutes later, I'm at our booth, and I'm eating one of those, you know those, like, tiny individual chip bags, like the Dorito bags, that are, like, they're so disappointing. They're, they're like, 98% air and, like, 1% chip. And, like, you open it up, and there's, like, one single chip in there, and you're like, okay. Well, I was eating one of those, because they were handing out those, because it's, you know, nonprofit, free food, that's what you get. And um, I'm eating one of those, and I look over, and I see this guy, and he's putting ketchup on his burger, and it was like three minutes later. And I'm like, what the heck? How did this guy get his burger so fast? And so he's walking over to his table, and so I, I go over, and I just kind of stop him, and I say, how'd you get your burger so fast? I thought you were leaving. And he said, oh, well, uh, I just, I, I kind of cut in line with this guy. And he pointed to some <laughs> random guy, and he said, this guy's read the Bible. I've never read the Bible. And I said... Okay, cool, man. <laughs> and then he said, and you know what? I said I was agnostic, but I'm realizing I'm really unfulfilled in life, and maybe I actually need a higher purpose. And here I am, like, mid-chip. Like, I'm, like, licking the Dorito chip dust off, like, that sticky, it's like, and I'm, like, realizing that this guy is reevaluating the meaning of life, like, as we're right in the middle of this barbecue. And so I just said, yeah, you know what, man? Like, I started telling him my story. I said, you know what? I was, grew up going to church and doing the whole thing, and I kind of left faith behind in high school. I, partying looked more fun. I did that with my friends for a few years, but found myself deeply unfulfilled. And he said, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. He said, you know, I partied a lot in the last couple of years, but I really have no desire to party this year. And, and you know what? And, and he kind of, I could see the wheels turning. He said, you know, ever since I stopped going to those Bible camps, realized that I've been unfulfilled. I think that was when it was. Maybe I need to reevaluate this. He, he, like, this was all happening, and I'm like, at this point, I'm like, I think I polished off the chip dust, the nacho cheese flavor off my fingers. And I kind of got my bearings a little bit, and I said, dude, you should come to Alpha. And I gave him one of our Alpha invite cards, and I said, you know, this is a space where you can have a free, another free meal. <laughs> and explore the Christian faith. And he said, yeah, you know, I've, I, have all, I have a bunch of friends who are still going to church, and maybe I actually need to do that. Maybe this wasn't a coincidence. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. It totally wasn't. <laughs> and so um, I, I was able to invite him to Alpha, and I, he said to me, I'm definitely gonna come to the corn roast on Sunday night. I said, amazing. And right before we kind of finished talking, I just said, hey, what was it that kind of uh, what was the, the point in your life that you sort of left faith behind? And he kind of looked and he stopped, and then he just said, I don't really know. I think I just stopped going to church, and somewhere along the way, I forgot about it. And in that moment, I had been thinking about John 6, <laughs> and in that moment, I just heard Peter's words, where else would we go? And the reality is, there's many places you could go. There's so many places you could turn other than Jesus. 
In fact, without consciously making a decision to follow, we slowly, slowly drift. And before we know it, we wake up unfulfilled and Jesus is nowhere in the picture of our lives. And there, if you notice in the story, Jesus doesn't coerce us to stay with him. He doesn't twist our arm and tell us what's gonna happen if we don't. He just asks us, are you gonna leave also? Eugene Peterson once said, one way to define spiritual life is getting so tired and fed up with yourself, you go on to something better, which is following Jesus. I like that. Jesus doesn't coerce us to stay with him, but he does invite us to follow him. Whether it's for the first time or the hundredth time, he invites us to follow him, to make a conscious decision to orient your life around his life. And we are in a season right now of recommitments. We are recommitting to all sorts of things, swimming lessons and dance lessons and school and vacation and work. We are in a season of recommitments. And if we allow Jesus to confront us with the same pointed and kind of uncomfortable question, are you going to leave also, what would our response be? What would your response be? In the midst of a very hard couple of years, as we enter this fall season, I want to invite you to recommit yourself to Jesus, to recommit to follow him, to orient your life around his, to believe in him and to trust him because he has the words of life. He fulfills that deep ache in our souls. And that's what brings us this morning to the communion table. Communion is an opportunity for us to share in the life of Jesus. But more than that, this morning, I wanna just let you know, it's an opportunity to recommit yourself to Jesus. When Jesus shared his last meal with his disciples, he said, do this in remembrance of me. Like, do this, take these emblems, simple emblems of bread and juice. In our case, gluten-free crackers and grape juice. Take these simple emblems and bring me to mind. Bring me to the forefront of your mind. Do not forget Jesus. Recommit yourself to him. And so the invitation is open. I'd like to invite you to recommit yourself to Jesus this morning, whether it's for the first time or the hundredth time. And it doesn't really matter what the last year or two years or three years or decade has looked like for you, the invitation is always open from Jesus. He extends it to each one of us. So we're gonna share in his life this morning, but if I could gently challenge you, you can commit yourself to Jesus in your heart this morning, and that's an important step that I'd love for you to consider and do with us this morning as we take communion. But I also wanna invite you as an outflow of that decision in your heart to a practical, tangible step, to recommit yourself also to our faith community. If the house is a church that you call home, I wanna invite you to re-engage and recommit yourself here in some capacity. And I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe that just simply looks like recommitting to the rhythm of Sunday church again after a long couple of years. Maybe for you it looks like serving once a month jumping onto a serve team and giving back, participating. Maybe, maybe for you it looks like giving financially for the first time to support our ministry and to partner with us. Maybe it means joining Alpha or giving out one of these Alpha invite cards. Maybe it just means calling up a couple of friends who you know 
will, will have your back and who can engage and, and inspire and challenge you in your faith and just saying, hey, would you meet with me for coffee once a month? It doesn't have to be here in the building. But I want to invite you as a, as a way of recommitting to Jesus to also recommit to a community of faith. We do not follow Jesus alone. We do it together as a community. And so would you make some time and space, maybe this week, this morning, to reflect and to invite the Spirit of God to just highlight what it, what what is it, God, for me in this season that you're inviting me into? What is it that I can recommit to, to orient my life 